Ladies and grandfathers, Andy here, author of The Best Tinder Guide on the Internet, and guy who's pretty modest when he talks about his Tinder Guide, this is the Kill You're in a Loser show. Let's fucking go. This is the first one of these I've recorded in a little while, or at least it feels like a little while. I haven't done a podcast for about a week now. And when I say podcast, I'm talking specifically about these podcasts because I also have a YouTube channel where I do different content. So go and check that out if you haven't already. I've done a couple of videos on there recently. I'm aiming for about one a week, but I haven't sat down and done a podcast for a little while. I had recorded a bunch all at once, and so they've been slowly trickling out, but I haven't actually done like a recording for a little bit, maybe a week or so. And it's funny how you're, you know, as you get better... As you get more experienced as a content creator, you put more and more pressure on yourself because obviously you're starting to get decent or competent at the thing. And I think this counts for almost anything that you do. You put more pressure on yourself as you get more and more competent. As you start figuring out what you're doing, you know, you get into a rhythm and you move the goalpost, which is a good thing. Like that's self-improvement. But it's funny how now me being lazy or in my head, what I call laziness is I haven't recorded a podcast in a week or two. Podcasts are still coming out. You guys wouldn't have noticed a difference. I've been recording a bunch in advance and then scheduling them. But yeah, it's kind of amusing to me now that laziness for me, like a terrible week is I'll only record like one or two YouTube videos or I'll write an article or, you know, that's what I call a bad week, a terrible week. But then when I'm honest with myself, if I actually look at what I've done, it's like I've done four coaching calls plus a group coaching call, plus I've run the forums while my moderator radical isn't there. Plus, I've gone to the gym every single day. Plus, we've had sex with a new girl who was absolutely mind-blowing. We talked about her. She's going to come on the podcast on my YouTube channel as well. So, you know, go and check out on YouTube if you you want to see that. But, you know, I go through the list of things I've done. I can list like 50 more things. And it's interesting. I find it interesting to look back of where I used to be. And a bad week in the past for me, maybe like, you know, let's look like three years ago. A bad week was like I literally just sat at home depressed drinking alcohol, watching porn, hating myself, playing video games, didn't leave the house. I had many weeks where I just wouldn't leave the house, like literally wouldn't leave the house for a week. I would just get Uber Eats or I'd just eat the food that was in my house already and literally wouldn't leave the house because I was so fucking depressed. This is only like three or four years ago. And man, you look back now and you're like a bad week now is I still do... (laughs) I record content, I do all of this, I do many coaching calls, I get, you know, reply to everyone's emails, I run the forums, I do all this other shit, I go to the gym, I have sex with a new girl, Imogen and I have sex a bunch of times, you know, we we go and meditate on the beach, we go on road trips, we went and did this sick shit this week, like absolutely fucking amazing shit, this VR experience thing, we've done it a few times now, it's basically this big warehouse, it's like 200 square meters and you get to run around in the, like in real life, you're running around. And obviously, you're, it's mapped like one-to-one to the video game. So, you, like, every step you take in real life is one step in the video game. So, it literally feels like you're in this alternate universe. It's goddamn amazing. We did that a couple of times, so that was, like, mind-blowing. The point that I'm getting to is, you know, a good week or a bad week now is, like, I would have killed for a week like that three years ago. Are you kidding me? I would have called this the best week ever. And now it's like, oh, this is a lazy week because I've only done, like, one podcast or one YouTube video, I should say. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny how our standards increase and that's a good thing 
I have to have this conversation with some of my coaching clients and some of you guys on the forums and shit where you'll be beating yourself up saying, oh my God, worst week ever. I'm just being lazy. And I'll say like, think back two months ago. Think back when you first started coaching with me. A bad week for you was sitting around depressed, doing literally nothing, contemplating fucking ending your gay life because you were so goddamn depressed. Now your idea of a bad week is you talk to 30 girls and you go on a date and you didn't get laid but you still did a bunch of actions to move yourself forward. You went to the gym, you made, you had friends, you you'd had coaching calls with me. That's an amazing week. You would have killed for that several months ago. So we do this thing sometimes where we move the goalposts or it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. Like you want to be striving for more. It is good to move the goalposts, but at the same time, you do need to sort of look back and acknowledge where you have come. All that out of the way, let's talk about my grandfather. I've talked about my grandfather a little bit in the past, in the depression article I wrote, the big, long, massive depression article. So if you haven't read that, go and read that. It's at killyourinaloser.com. Just search for depression. And, you know, I talked about how he was always very full of life and how at the time when I was depressed, I hated him for that. I thought he was naive and stupid, but I want to give a little, I want to do a podcast sort of celebrating him. He's passed on now. He passed on quite a few years ago, but I still remember every mannerism he had. I remember his zest and joy for life. He had a very big impact on me. Even at the time when I was depressed, I don't think I wanted him to have an impact on me. I thought he was, you know, like I said, stupid and naive, and he didn't know that the world was depressing and sad, and he's just an idiot with his head in the clouds. Why is he smiling when life sucks so much? That was what I was thinking at the time. But even back then, he had a big impact on me. So, you know, I, w- I want to sort of celebrate him and give you guys a couple of life lessons that you can learn from him, especially if you're still at the stage where your goals seem difficult. Maybe you're at the stage where you're learning to talk to women. You're trying to get laid. Maybe you're trying to get a girlfriend. I, I want to give you guys some life lessons. So we'll start off by talking about how fucking <laughs> dumb his jokes were. <laughs> So fucking stupid. I say so many of his jokes now and my girlfriend rolls her fucking eyes all the time because he just had these jokes that were just utterly silly and goofy. Like he would have a little joke lined up for almost everything that you could ever say. Like if you ever said, uh, it won't be long now, you know, like maybe you're, you're waiting for the plane to come in at your airport or something. And you'd say to him, oh, it won't be long now. You know, it should be 20 minutes. Won't be long now. He would always say, do you know, you know, what they said to them? He'd say, it won't be long now. Do you know who they said that to? And I'd be like, what? Because he'd tell the jokes like over and over again. So I knew the fucking punchline. But he'd be like, do you know when they said it won't be long now? And I was like, what? And he'd be like, when they cut the monkey's tail off and they said it won't be long now. And I was like, oh my God, that's not a fucking joke. He just had so many of these like terrible fucking jokes, like terrible fucking jokes. He'd say to people, if I don't see you through the week, I'll see you through the window. It's like, what the fuck is that joke? Or he'd come out of the shower and he'd just be in his underpants or his trousers or whatever, but he wouldn't be wearing a shirt. And he was quite chubby. He wasn't massively chubby, but he had that old man, like, you know, that belly. And so he'd like rub his belly like he was pregnant. Like he'd, he'd slap his belly and he'd be like, you too could have a body like mine. And then he'd pause. But why starve? Like just so many of these dumb fucking jokes. And he would always like flirt with women, especially even like young fucking chicks, like, you know, 25, 30. I mean, I say young, young to him. Remember, he's like 70. He would flirt with like 20 or 30 year old women. 
in front of my grandmother, which was fucking just hilarious. And he wasn't like hardcore flirting, but you know, he'd flirt a little bit. And his favorite fucking line was, he'd say to them, if I was 50 years younger, I'd still be too old for you. Just like, and he had this like Irish accent because he, you know, he came from Ireland and he never lost the accent, even though he lived in this country in Australia for like, I don't know, 30 or 40 years or so. And he'd always make these kind of jokes and, you know, he was always very lighthearted. I could list off like 50,000 more just dumb jokes, like some of them not even jokes. They're just like, you roll your eyes, like, my God, like his, uh, another joke he would say every time we'd go to a restaurant and the people would say, what do you want? Like, what, what can I get you? What are you going to order? He would say, do you have baked beans on toast? And they'd be like, no, we don't have baked beans. on." That was his favorite fucking joke. Ba- do you have baked beans on toast? Every fucking restaurant. Although some of them would because there'd be a cafe. Every now and then you'd get a cafe that would serve like breakfast and they would serve like toast and eggs and sausages and maybe baked beans. And so he'd say that and they'd be like, I can get you baked beans on toast. And then he'd have to go like, wait, no, that's a joke. That's my dumb joke. Like, please don't get me baked beans and eggs or baked beans and toast. But, you know, he had so many of these like childish, ridiculous, dumb jokes. And he was always so full of joy and he never lost that. Like even when he had cancer for a while, which he eventually beat, that wasn't what killed him. But, you know, even during that, yeah, he was less energetic, but he was still, he still had like this joy and this childlike innocence to him. But I don't think he was naive. He definitely wasn't naive. We had a couple of conversations where I realized like, oh shit, you're not naive. You're just choosing to focus on the positive. I'll talk about this in a little bit, but he really had this big impact on my life, on my personality. A lot of my outlook, my positive outlook for life came from him, even though at the time I didn't want to admit it because I was in that depressed state of like, my granddad is an idiot. He's stupid. Like he doesn't know how harsh the world is, but it rubbed off on me. It was impossible not to be a more optimistic person because of him. And he reminds me of my favorite life quote. This is my motto I've talked about this in a couple of podcasts, but my life motto, if you want me to give you one life philosophy or one thing that is just in my head all of the time, it is Oscar Wilde's quote, which is, life is too short to be taken seriously. I fucking love that quote. I really, really, really love that quote. Life is too short to be taken seriously. It absolutely comes from him. He was the embodiment of that quote. And he would talk to people like strangers all the goddamn time, like 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 times a day. Like if we ever went out, he would just stop random strangers and just make jokes or he'd say hello and ask how their day is. He would share his joy with them and he just like wanted them to smile. It was infectious too. Of course, you'd get some people who are just, you know, grumpy or maybe they're having a bad day and they don't want any part of it. But the vast majority of people would love it. Like, kids fucking loved him, mothers fucking loved him, old people loved him, young people, young people really fucking loved his stupid retarded jokes. He he was like, he was just this like walking embodiment of joy and happiness and like childlike innocence, even at like 70 years old. And what it meant was, when I started the Approach Anxiety Program, and if you guys don't know what that is, it's a little program I did, it was a free program to get you talking to women in public. Cause I wanted to hit on women. I wanted to be able to say, Hey, you're fucking cute. Can I get your phone number? Let's go for a drink. I wanted to be able to do that shit. And this program, this free program, it's on goodlookingloser.com. This program got me like 
to the point where I could hit on women. You know, I got laid a few times. It was great. When I was doing the program, at the very start, it's fucking terrifying, right? You're you're going up to people you don't know and, you know, the program kind of holds your hand. But you know that eventually you're going to be walking up to these girls and saying like, hey, you're really cute. You talk for a little bit. Can I get your phone number? Like, that's fucking terrifying. But it was so much easier because I had seen my grandfather do the impossible, like talk to strangers. And yes, he wasn't walking up and saying, hey, you're cute. Can I get your phone number? But he was like making jokes and sharing his authentic self. He was being real. And it reminded me that even though this shit is hard, like hitting on women is fucking terrifying at the start, I'm really just talking to people, just like my grandfather always does. Like, he was the example that showed me that it was possible and it wasn't even that complicated. You're just saying hi and you're making some jokes or you're talking for a little bit. You know, that's it. He made it so much easier for me to talk to strangers that I didn't know because he'd done it before me. Yes, I was doing it in the context of hitting on women, but it's all the same, which is what I realized from watching his example. Women are just humans, obviously. You're just saying hello to them. He also, he chose to see the innocence and the goodness in everyone. And as I said, I used to think that he was like stupid, ignorant, Like he didn't understand that the world was harsh and, you know, unfair and evil and doesn't care about you. But as I got older, I realized that he was choosing to see the good in everyone. He was focusing on the positives instead of the negatives. There's a really good book that I've recommended a million times called You Can't Afford the Luxury of a Negative Thought. And the main gist of the book, the main point of the book is the world is equal parts or some combination of negative and positive, right? Like the world has plenty of evil in it. I'm not going to tell you that it doesn't. The world has plenty of good and beauty in it. Of course it does. And you can either go through life focusing on the negative and then guess what? That's what you're going to get because you're going to obsess about it. You're going to confirmation bias. You're going to be staring into the abyss. You know, the, the quote, if you stare into the abyss long enough, eventually the abyss stares back at you. Basically, if you focus on the negatives, if you focus on evil, you just that starts to overwhelm and consume you and you start being evil yourself because you start thinking, what the fuck is the point? Why the fuck should I be good to other people when other people are just dog shit? This is why certain uh, cults, I guess you could call them, maybe you don't, you want to call them like ideologies, like feminism, um, socialism, a bunch of ones like that why a lot of them seem so damn hateful. It's not because it's necessarily a hateful ideology. It doesn't have to be, but it's because all the people that are in it are so focused on the negatives. They're focused on the patriarchy. Men are suppressing us. Men are doing this. Men are bad. Men are evil. You're focusing on the negative for so much that you start to become hateful yourself. But, you know, the point of this book is instead of that, what if you focus on the good? What if you choose to pick out the positives, and yes, you are confirmation biasing, so don't completely ignore all the negatives. Like, there's no point being completely ignorant of all the negatives. You need to know that they're there. If you're in an abusive relationship, you need to know that it's abusive and you need to leave. If your workplace truly sucks, you need to acknowledge that it's not great and you need to leave. So, yes, you acknowledge the negatives, but you choose to focus mostly on the positives. You choose to, as the book says, find the positives. You go out actively searching for the positives. And I realized that this is what my grandfather was doing in his life. He really was actively trying to find the positives. In fact, he made it his life's mission to find the positives, to find the good in people. And obviously what you focus on is what you get. 
His life was fucking beautiful. 99% of people were really nice to him. Yeah, some people didn't get his jokes, but they weren't mean to him. They just kind of looked confused and just didn't understand why he was talking to them and they just left. But they were polite. They were nice. I'm not going to say he was perfect. Of course, he's a human being. You know, we're all messy and imperfect. But for the most part, the thing I remember the most about my grandfather was him focusing on the positives. And people were nice to him because he emanated that joy and that love to everyone around him. He really did radiate love. Like, that was fucking obvious. And it reflected back on him. Like, people wanted to be around him. And more to the point, because he's so damn nice and joyful to other people, you just can't help but be nice to him. Again, yes, he would run into the occasional person who was a bit of an asshole. Or maybe a nicer, more charitable way of phrasing that is that person was not at a happy place in their life. But for the most part, 99% of people were fucking nice to him because he was nice to them. So the takeaway here... I can give you a bunch of takeaways. Really, I just wanted to talk about my grandfather for 15, 20 fucking minutes because I miss him. I genuinely really do. And I'm really grateful that he was in my life and that I got to, by osmosis, become him in some small part. You know, I'm proud to be related to him. I really genuinely am. It's a pity that he's not here for me to say that, but... Before he died, I had a few chances. I wrote him a long letter saying a lot of this about how I was depressed and how I used to hate him and think he was stupid. And, you know, I'm really grateful for him and I'm really grateful for the joy he gives. And, you know, he didn't write much back because he was kind of a stoic kind of guy, but he told me that it really meant a lot to him. And that was all I really needed to hear. So I'm very fucking grateful that I'm related to him, that I get to be his offspring or the offspring of his offspring. But the takeaway messages that I also wanted to give was, you know, if you want a happy, wonderful life, radiate that outwards. Like, be loving and vulnerable and joyful and speak truth. I have a fucking tattoo on my arm taking up my entire forearm that says speak truth. If you want a happy life, there you go. That's like step one. Just be honest. Why do you guys think I push honesty so fucking much? In all of my content, I have how many articles talking about being honest with women, being honest with everyone around you. Honesty is the first step to a happy, wonderful life. And then above that is joy. If you can get to a point where you're joyful, if you can just smile, even if it's hard, even if you have to be courageous, if you can just smile a little more every day or every couple of days, brilliant. I want to tell you guys that you're allowed to be nice to people. You are especially allowed to be nice to girls, even if some of them or a lot of them reject you. Even if you feel like a lot of them are wasting your time. A lot of what I've done in my content is trying to pull you guys away from that mode of thinking and trying to save you from having your time wasted, from getting rejected by girls. Obviously, I can't completely eliminate that for you. But a lot of what I'm trying to do is get you to focus on the good people in life. There are a lot of good women, a lot of wonderful human beings, and it is your mission to find them and focus on them. And the people who are less lovely or the people who don't give you or who don't want the same things as you, the people who can't help you with your mission, you just move away from them. You don't do it with malice or hatred. And I get that at the start, maybe you will feel that a little bit. I certainly did. But eventually you want to be at a point where you just move away from them and you go, no, they don't want what I'm wanting. They're not in, they're not on the same path as me. That's fine. They have their own path, but I'm going to find the people that add to my life. I'm going to find the really nice people and I'm going to be really fucking nice and loving to them. I'll tell you guys that you're allowed to like yourself. 
even if you're not currently where you want to be, you don't have to hate yourself. You're allowed to like yourself, even if you have a lot of work to do. You're allowed to smile at strangers. You're allowed to talk to strangers. You're allowed to hit on women that you don't know. My grandfather did. I learned to. A lot of my coaching clients do. You're allowed to talk to people that you don't know. And you're allowed to be your vulnerable, honest self with them. Even if some of them reject you. That's okay. You're allowed to enjoy your life. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to be miserable. You're allowed to enjoy your self-improvement. Even if you have a long way to go. Even if your life isn't all that great right now. You're still allowed to be happy. Please don't put a condition on your happiness that says... I can be happy when I have X amount of money, or I can be happy when I've slept with X number of women, or I can be happy when I have marriage and kids, or I can be happy when I've lost, here's one that a lot of you do, I can be happy when I've lost 50 pounds, like no, you're allowed to be happy right now, you can still want more, you can still be dissatisfied with your life, but you're allowed to be happy, even if you're depressed, you are allowed to smile from time to time. You're allowed to smile as much as you want to. One of the things that happens with depression is you tell yourself you're not allowed to be happy because your life sucks. And if you smile, you're letting it be okay. I'm here to tell you you're allowed to smile even if you're depressed. I want you guys to go out there. I want you to crush your goals. And I would like you to have a smile on your face while you do it. You're allowed to. And I'm really grateful that my grandfather taught me that.